1: Ephesians 2, brand new series today, fully equipped for what's ahead. Fully equipped for what's ahead. So not just in context to 2023, 2024, 2025, however long we're here. Fully equipped to what's ahead. There's things ahead. There's things the Bible tells us are ahead. There's things the Bible reveals to us about the days we live in as to what will come that we can clearly know without a doubt that there are things that are going to happen, things that will take place, that you and I realize as it relates to the world, those things are not going to be good, but as it relates to those who walk with God, it will be. And the Bible's clear about that. I'm going to show you in Ephesians chapter 2 a very powerful verse to be reminded of for everybody that's born again. The moment you make Jesus the Lord of your life, what does that mean? Now, this is critical for the time you live in, because what I'm going to talk about is I'm going to talk about today... The most significant thing for your future. God. Okay, now this is the title of our message, Fully Equipped for What's Ahead. But I'm going to talk about today, in relationship to this message, the most important thing relates to, the, to your future. Okay, but before I get there, I want to show you something that is powerful that God reveals to us that you should get excited about. Ephesians chapter 2 here, talking about the fact All down through this chapter that we've been saved by grace, by faith in Christ. We did not earn our salvation. Jesus gave it to us freely that we have been raised up together with Jesus, made to sit together with Jesus in heavenly places, position of authority. But notice verse 10. I wanted to cut right here to verse 10. Watch this. Underline this. For we are his workmanship. Who is? All who are born again. The moment you get born again, you're now his workmanship. I like one version that says his work of art. Amen. Watch this. You are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? Good now, don't get, don't get angry or consumed about getting upset about that word good works, like we're earning something. We're not. But read it again. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. What are we created in Christ Jesus for? Good works. Now, a good work is everything that God desires for your life, which is good. Everything that God desires for your life is good because God's good. James 1 says, He is the Father of spirits in whom all that is good comes, in which there's no variation, no shadow of turning. There's no darkness in Him. So God has good things prepared for us. Watch this. He has given us the ability to know we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. Look at the rest of the verse. Which God prepared beforehand. God prepared these works beforehand that we should do what? Walk in them. God prepared for you what he desired for you to walk in. Beforehand, before you were ever even born again, I guarantee you, before you ever birthed into the world, God had already had a plan for your life of good things for your life to be lived out. Yeah. So God has already prepared for us what he wants us to walk in. So does that mean I'll walk in it? No. Because guess what God prepared for all of mankind? Salvation. Does that mean all will walk in it? No. Because not, not all will do what's necessary to receive that. Right. Now, I want you to hear this from the Amplified translation. Verse 10 from the Amplified brings out some uh, you know, con, uh, additional uh, little nuggets of truth that are in the original Greek language of the New Testament. Ephesians 2.10 from the Amplified says, For we are God's own handiwork. We are God's own handiwork. The moment you get born again, who is it that birthed you and made you brand new on the inside? God did. We are His own handiwork, His workmanship, Recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew. Say born anew. anew. Why? That we may do those works which God predestined. That we may do the works that God predestined, planned beforehand for us. Listen, taking paths which He prepared ahead of time. Mm -hmm. God wants you to take the path He prepared for you ahead of time. God already prepared a path for you. God has a path for you for tomorrow. God has a path for you for next week. God has a path for you next month. God has a path for you next year. If the Lord tarries, he's already prepared this path for you to walk on. But that don't mean you'll walk on it. It's prepared. The path is there. Amen. So he has prepared paths ahead of time for you to walk on. Notice, taking taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them. You ready for this? I said, are you ready for this? Yes. Living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Yes. That's Ephesians 2.10. The path God has for you is a life that's good. Yes. Living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. How many of you want to live on that path all the rest of the days of your life? Yes. How many want to walk that out and you're serious about that? Yes. Go to Galatians chapter 6. Once you go to Galatians chapter 6, how many of you went to, uh, let's say you went to mom, dad's house or a relative of some somebody's, grandma, grandpa's or friends. How many went to somebody's house or even just obviously prepared a meal for you and your family during Christmas time and had a meal at Christmas time? Anybody? Anybody go anywhere where they had something prepared for you to eat? Uh, I'll guarantee you what, you didn't have to, if you went where somebody else prepared the food, all you had to do is do what? Get on the right path. Come on, get it. If mom had a meal ready and you didn't eat it, it's because you didn't take the right road to get there. The meal was prepared, it was ready. God has a good life prepared for you to live. But if you don't take the right path, you won't get there. Today, I'm going to talk to you about the most important thing in your life that relates to you walking out what God has for you. And I'm not overemphasizing that. I'm going to talk to you about the most important thing in your life that will determine whether you take this pre-planned path that God has for your life or not. What determines that, Pastor? Now, some would say, well, my words do. Well, your words are involved. But you'll find out your words are based on what I'm going to talk about today. Because even though words are important, and James 3 says, Your words set on fire the very course that you take in life. In other words, they actually determine, like a ship on a, like a rudder on a ship, right? Or a bit in a horse's mouth, which direction you go. That's true, but something's controlling that tone. Right. Yeah. What is determining what comes out of that mouth? I'm gonna to talk to you today. In relationship to the word God gave us on Wednesday night, the most important thing, God began to speak to me about this two weeks ago and then gave us that word Wednesday night. I mean, He was speaking to me loud and clear Wednesday night during praise and worship. And I have an eight-minute word that God gave us on Wednesday night. And I actually shared it with all you on our texting system. But I'm going to tell you today, if you, don't, if you don't heed this, then you cannot blame God that He did not prepare a path for you to walk on. Because He did. Yeah. You can't blame God that he didn't prepare the meal and you just chose to take the wrong road and wound up at the wrong house. And I'm telling you what I did not like about Wednesday's message, Wednesday's word from God. Not like I didn't like what, like I'm not, but part of what was said, I don't like it. God don't like it. But part of what I know for a fact, based even on the Bible, backed up with the Bible, many Christians are about to falter and fall. Many Christians are about to crash and burn because they won't heed what God said they need to do to walk on the pre-planned good life plan. Come on. The pre-planned good life plan God already had prepared for you. Now, I'm going to show you the number one thing that will affect that in your life. Anybody want to know what that is? Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Galatians 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. If you're deceived, how many know you are not going to walk on that path. Do not be deceived. God is not what? He is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also what? Reap. What do you mean God's not mocked? What are are, are you talking about here? That we're not to be deceived, God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he'll reap. Listen, this is an absolute for every person on the planet. You cannot in any way, shape, or form blame God for things in your life that are choices you made. That you chose to do instead of the way God said to choose, cho- choose to do it, and then blame God for it or say, God, that don't work. God's not mocked. God has placed absolutes in the, in the earth and in your life and mine that work. So, again, what's an absolute? Whatever you sow, you reap. What's the number one thing, pastor, that's going to determine our tomorrows, whether we're walking in the path that God has for us tonight, uh, what God has for us uh, ahead? I'll tell you what it is. It's what you're sowing today. Everybody on this planet is sowing into their life every day, having things sowed into their life every day. What you sow today, you're going to harvest in your tomorrows. A farmer, and I mean, Jesus uses this simple analogy. We'll see a part of it. And he does this just to make it really simple to understand. I mean, if a farmer wants to have a crop of corn, he better not go plant wheat seed. If he plants wheat seed and then harvest comes and there's no corn there and he wants corn, he has nobody to blame but himself. He can't blame God. Well, you made the earth God. It didn't produce what I wanted. You gave the rain, but it didn't produce what I wanted. That's right. You know why? Because you didn't plant the corn seed. You planted wheat seed. What you plant, son, what you plant, daughter, is what you reap. Right. Even though I pre-planned a pathway of good for your life, I already have a pathway I want you to walk on, and I set up a simple system on how it works. How do I walk in that pathway? I'm going to show you today. How do I walk in that pathway? It's totally based on what you're sowing into your life. Because what you're sowing in your life is what you're going to harvest. Right. That's right. Read on. Notice this. God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he also what? Tell your neighbor, that includes you. There's no exceptions here. Notice verse 8. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap what? Absolute. If you sow to the fleshly nature, what are you going to reap? You're going to reap that which corrupts. You're going to reap that, actually one word, which is actually destructive. The Bible says there's nothing good in your old fleshly nature that dwells. The old Adamic nature, a part of your soul and body, there's nothing good in that old nature. What is good in you now is your spirit man because he's born of God. So of that fleshly nature, if that's what you sow to, guess what? You're going to reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit, come on. Will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Now, a lot of people would say this is just referring to eternal life. No, no, it's not. This is written to believers who are already born again. What is he saying? Now, I love this in, I think it's, it's Weymouth or Weiss translation. I forget which one. They're both very accurate from the Greek rendering. A lot of people say, well, the King James is the only true version. Wrong. The true version is the Greek in the New Testament and Hebrew in the Old. Now, there's some perversions for sure. There's some bad translations out there today. But Weston and Weymouth are two of the most critical Greek scholars, most believe, that are very close and accurate with the New Testament Greek. They're just Greek scholars. They don't have a uh, translation of the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, this word everlasting life, are you ready? Yeah. This le- word everlasting life means life for the ages. Wow, What's the ages? It's not just for today. No, <laughs> It's for tomorrow, and it's for the next day, and it's for the next day, and it's for all eternity. The word life here is what? What's the word life I've taught you? It's zoe. What's that mean? As God has it. Life as God has it. Well, if I'm walking on the path God prearranged for me, guess what I'm walking in? Life as God has it. And it's for the ages. It's not just for once in a while. It's for every day. And all you have to do is understand this powerful principle. If I will learn to sow to my spirit, nature, I will reap life of the ages. Verse 9, do not grow weary while doing good. While what? What were we created for in Ephesians 2.10? Doing good. Do not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we don't what? So reality is, you got to understand, like a farmer, if you plant today, do I harvest tomorrow? No. But if I plant today, guess what? I got a harvest coming. So you got to understand, first and foremost, this is a spiritual law. Say spiritual law. Now, I'm going to tell you, man, you never stop learning. If you think any minister on the planet knows everything about the Bible, don't ever listen to them because they don't. Everybody's learning. You never stop learning. Now, you should know a whole lot as a minister of God to be able to help your people. But you got to understand you never stop learning. I never saw this before. In the Greek language here, the phrase in verse 8, He who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. He who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Notice the word Spirit is capitalized. So we of course think we're talking about sowing to the Holy Spirit. You don't need to sow to the Holy Spirit. You listening? You don't need to sow anything to the Holy Spirit. You need to sow to your spirit nature, your new spirit man. So the capitalization was done by English translators. In the Greek language, there's no capitalization or punctuation. So English translators had to guess as to what they believed was to be capitalized and what was not. So in essence, is he referring to us sowing to the Holy Spirit? No, you don't sow to the Holy Spirit. Guess what you need to sow to? Your own spirit man, your new spirit nature. And actually the way this is worded in the Greek, this is so powerful. It's like two different fields in your life. This is how it refers to it. You have two different fields. Weast and Weymouth bring this out. You have an old fleshly nature field and you have a new spiritual nature field. The old fleshly nature field is the old Adamic nature, part of your soul, part of your body. When you sow into that old fleshly nature field, guess what kind of harvest you're going to get? If I'm not sowing into my spiritual nature field, I'm not going to get a harvest out of that. If I'm sowing into my old fleshly nature field, that's what I'm going to get a harvest of. And it's corruptible. The Bible even calls it destructive. But what happens if I choose to stop sowing to my fleshly nature field and I start sowing into my spiritual nature? My new nature is a child of God. What am I going to reap? Life as God has it. Because now the spiritual nature is going to walk in charge of the flesh and therefore the flesh is going to subject to the spirit man, you on the inside, and you're going to walk out what God has for you. You're going to walk down the path God chose for you to live. Does anybody want to do that? So realize this, God in relationship to the fact that whatever a man sows, verse 7, he will reap, God is not mocked. The Amplified even brings this out. He's not mocked by his precepts being set aside. I want you to get that. He's not mocked by setting his precepts aside. His precepts, his absolutes, his spiritual laws. So we're about to read a precept from the Bible. Of God, we're about to read a spiritual law that has to do with your future and what you're going to walk out. We're about to read it, Book of Luke. But you got to understand this: if I read it to you, you hear it and you set it aside. You're mocking God because you're saying, "Okay, God, I know the Bible says that, so here you go. Now you're going to go back over and sow into your fleshly nature and do things the way you want." Instead of accepting what God said, You know the greatest thing you could ever do for your life? Just accept what God says and do it. It'll do more for you than you can name. Amen? Amen. Amen. In relationship to this, realize you're not going to walk out what God wants. Don't, don't, don't fall prey to this word here in a negative sense. You're not going to walk out what God wants without some sacrifice. When I was preparing for this message, we just came through. Of course, some of you know I rode bulls for 16 years. I was a professional bull rider at one time. I wanted to go to the NFR, national finals. The NFR is the Super Bowl of rodeo. Top 15 in the world and all the events go to the national finals. And as I was preparing for this message, the Lord reminded me about the Super Bowl, about the NFR, about the World Series. And literally the Holy Spirit, which I know the answer, the Holy Spirit said, "Uh, do you think they just happened to get there? Do you think all the stars aligned? Everything just fell their way. And they just, you know, for that aspect of that year, everything just fell into the way it needed to for them to wind up where they were in the aspect of the NFR, National Finals or World Series or whatever. You know what? I guarantee you what? Anybody that makes it to the World Series, whether they win it or not, the, the Super Bowl or, and I'm not into sports in that sense, let's all worship that. I'm just trying to use an example like Jesus did. Or the national finals. How do you get to be one of the top 15 in the world? Well, immediately a guy comes to mind when I think about this with the NFR. His name is Lewis Field. His dad was an incredible bareback rider. Excuse me, Casey, I'm sorry. Lewis Field was his dad. Casey Fields. His dad was an incredible bareback rider. Now, bareback riders to me are crazy. Why, well, you want to stick your hand in a little piece of rawhide and leather and nothing else holding on to the back of a horse and basically just kind of, you know, like this horse just almost beats the snotty of you for eight seconds, you know. I don't know. That's kind of crazy to me, but they like doing it. But I'll tell you what, if you understand bareback riding, they have an actual spurring motion they're supposed to make while that horse is bucking, which actually helps keep them on the horse. And if you watch Lewis Field or his son Casey Field back in the day, Lewis is now in heaven. But if you watch Casey Field today, people call him a machine, because it don't matter what kind of horse he gets on. I mean, that spur in motion is the same every single time. It's the reason he's won so many world titles. It's the reason he's been in the national finals so many times. <clears throat> now, I'm gonna tell you why he's been in the national finals as many times as he has. It's not because for some reason he just has more ability than everybody else. <clears throat> You know why he's been in the National Finals many times he has? You know why he's as successful as he is? I'm going to tell you why. He makes sacrifices. Yeah. You listening? Yeah. They have what they call a spur board. It doesn't even move. It's just a, a, a board that's kind of shaped similar to a horse that you have a rigging tied to. You get on it, and guess what you do for hours? For hours. You know what you do for hours? You just perfect that spurring stroke over and over and over again. So when you get on that bucking horse, guess what? It's automatic. You just do it, yeah. but you know why he's so good when he gets on a horse? Because of all those hours on that spur board. What do you mean sacrifice? So when all the other bareback riders who didn't make the NFR this year were sitting at home on their couch watching television while they were home, guess where Casey was? <clears throat> he's out on that spur board yeah. or training. He would jaw. He he does weight, because you gotta be really strong to do what the bareback rider does. You listening? Now listen. If you want to walk out what God has for your life in the future, it won't come without sacrifice. That's right. But I want to be careful of this word because I mentioned it as I prayed earlier this morning in Matthew chapter nine in the Gospel of Matthew nine. Jesus said to those of his day, "I want you to go learn what this means." So, what should we do? Learn what it means, and that's tough to figure out. We should go learn what this means. And he quotes Hosea 6.6. 6. In Hosea 6.6, 6, God said to the prophet Hosea, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I desire the knowledge of God. Knowledge of God. You, you are God. What do you mean you desire? So if you look this up in the Hebrew language, you know what it says? Here's what it says. I desire, because guess what they were used to in the Old Testament? Sacrifice offerings. But God said, I don't want you doing what I've asked you to do because it's some big sacrifice you're giving up for me. The word actually there in the context of the Hebrew language, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. The word mercy is I desire your steadfast love and devotion. I want you to be in love with me. I want you to be in love with what I tell you to do. Listening. I want you to be in love with me. I don't want you to be in love with what I tell you to do. I want you to be in love with me. If you're in love love with me, you'll have no problem doing what I tell you to do. If you're in love with what I tell you to do, you're not in love with me. Therefore, it'll become a religion to you, not a relationship with God. And God said, I want you to live this relationship with me with a steadfast steadfast devotion and loyalty to me. Because if you do, he goes on to say, and therefore in the Hebrew it says, you'll know me. God wants you to know Him. I mean be aware of Him. Really know Him every day. Know that as you go through life and make decisions, you know you're hearing from God and God's directing you what you're supposed to do. That you can walk out this pre-planned pathway God has for you. But it won't come without sacrifice. While other Christians are choosing to stay home and sleep during a service on the evenings, you should be in church. While other Christians choose to do other things of sowing to the carnal nature... You should be actually fellowshipping with God in the Word of God. I didn't say you can't ever do other things. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that can't be your focus. Your focus has to be growing in God. And to grow in God, guess what you got to do? You got to sow. Now listen, here's the difference. I want you to see this. I want you to recognize again in this verse. He's telling you in verse 8, If you sow to the field of your lower nature, one translation says fleshly nature. If you sow to the field of your lower nature, you'll reap corruption. But if you sow to your upper nature, your spirit life, your spirit man, you're going to reap life for the ages. Go to Luke chapter 8. Watch what God did to set up a precept, an absolute, to help me and you walk out the pre-planned pathway God has for our life. Again, how many want to walk out that pre-pan, pre-planned pathway? Say that fast three times. That pre-planned pathway God has for your life, that pathway is what? It's good. So let's talk practically about what that pathway looks like with the days ahead. Well, let's back up a little bit to do that. You can oftentimes look towards the future by looking back to the past and learning from the past. Although some people can't seem to, but we should. Think about when COVID hit. Now, I know maybe not all of you were. And I'm, I'm grateful most of this church wasn't. But think about when COVID hit. How many Christians do you know were scared to death of COVID? You shouldn't have been. You shouldn't have been fearful at all. And don't get upset. Don't get mad. Don't throw nothing. I'm just trying to help you. Think about if Jesus was here and COVID hit. Do you think Jesus would have wore a mask? I don't think so. You know why? Because he knows the Father, and he knows the promise of the Father to protect him from all the plagues on the planet. Now, a lot of Christians that did so just simply didn't know. And I'm going to tell you why. Because they haven't been where the seeds been sown to help them understand what they have as a child of God. And I guarantee you, this is why it's significant that you are under the pastor God wants you to be under because you're going to get the seed of God's word and not some philosophy of man. You know what most preaching is today in most churches? It's the philosophy of man. Not here, but in most churches. I guarantee it shocked me. Pastor recently shared an actual note he got from another pastor several years back. This pastor sent him a note. He said, Dr. Barclay, this family left my church. I got to tell you this. You're not going to believe why they left my church. I've heard a lot of excuses why people left my church. This takes the cake. He said, this family told me they're leaving the church and this is why. Too much word here. Too much word. I mean, it's the word in the morning and it's the word at night. It's the word in kids' church. We haven't heard a good poem in this church in a lot of years. <laughs> Serious? That's why they said they left. Wow. <laughs> Guess what they wanted? Somebody tickle their itching ears. If you want people to tickle your itching ears, you're wanting to sow to your lower fleshly nature. And if you do, you'll reap corruption. But this is an absolute that works in the reverse in a positive way to help us walk out God's pathway for our life. How many want to do that? Yes. But you can't sow to the lower nature and reap a harvest of spiritual things. You listening? Yes. You can't sow to the lower fleshly nature and reap a harvest of spiritual things. So in a practical sense, how many understand there's more darkness coming? Yes, there is. So do we need to be afraid of that? No. Not if we're walking with God. Listen, every single time you are under the sowing, how many of you know Wednesday night being here, you now have ammunition for discouragement when it tries to come? When discouragement now comes, you know exactly what to do. God gave you ammunition. See, part of the word God gave us on Wednesday night, you're going to hear it tonight, the word you're hearing today is not just for you today. The word you're hearing today is being stored up in you so that when your tomorrows come... Guess who can bring that word back to your remembrance? See, we have a helper called the Holy Spirit. When you're born again, he comes live within you. Thank God for the helper. But you know what he can't do? He can't bring to your remembrance what you haven't heard. And what God's trying to do is set us up for a harvest of walking the pathway he has for our life. But a lot of Christians don't seem to be listening. Are you in Luke chapter 8 yet? Now, this is literally Luke's account of the parable of the sower. I'm not going to read the whole entire parable to you because that's really not the focus. I want you to understand the, the, the heart of this spiritual law, this precept that we don't want to mock and lay aside and say, well, I know the Bible said that, but you need to quit doing that. Yeah. You need to realize God's precepts are helping you to walk what? Walk out the pathway He has chosen for your life. And He's already pre-planned. Say so He pre-planned it. Luke chapter 8, verse 11, now he explains the parable here. The parable is this, the seed is what? So in the parable of the sower, the seed being spoken of is what? Tell me what it is. Out loud, please. It's the Word of God. But wait a minute, if you go back and read the whole parable, help me understand there has to be a sower to sow the seed. Who's the sower? That's your pastor. That's the ministers of God God put in your life. God already knows your field. God already knows what you need to harvest. God already knows what he has for your future. I mean, I had people sending me messages. Thank you for Wednesday night's message. I said, thank you for coming to hear it. Isn't it good to know God knows exactly what you need when you need it? But he doesn't know just what you need when you need it. He knows what you need for your future. And for everybody that got that word, guess what? When discouragement comes, they're going to know exactly what to do. And anybody who doesn't simply didn't take to heart the seed that was sown. So listen to this. He says here clearly that the parable is is this. The seed is the word of God. Stop right there before we go any further. Hold your place and turn to John with me, please. John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Anybody want to walk in life for the ages? Life as God has it every day. Life as God has it every day. Anybody want to do that? Yes. That doesn't mean, I mean, you know, when Jesus was here, storms came to him, challenges came to him, but he knew what to do. Amen. He knew exactly what to say. He knew exactly how to respond. You know, it's like we say all the time, you you can't control what other people do, but you can control how you respond to it. You can't control what goes on in the world around you, but you can control how you respond to it. And my Bible doesn't say it overcomes you. We sing about it today. You're supposed to overcome it. You're supposed to be walking like Jesus with authority on this earth. Because it's not yours, it's His. In John chapter 6, Jesus here, this is powerful. He is talking about them eating his body, drinking his blood. And he said, I'm talking spiritually. I'm revealing this to you. That's a spiritual truth. Down here in verse 63, notice this. He said, it's the spirit who gives life. Where do you get Zoe from? Where do you get Zoe from? The spirit. The spirit. Watch this. The flesh profits what? If the flesh profits nothing, why do I want to keep sowing into my fleshly nature? It's the Spirit who gives us zoe, watch this, the words I speak to you, underline it, they are what? What are they? Spirit, Spirit and they're what? Light. So here's what he just said. It's the Spirit that gives you this zoe life. If you want life as God has it, how many want life as God has it? Pre-plan for you to walk out, preparing you already for what he knows is ahead. How many know God knows everything you're going to face, deal with, or go through this year? Yeah. I'm not prophesying bad I'm just saying he already knows. He already knows what's going to happen this year in your life. But you know, God's already set up through your, through your spiritual leader, your pastor, yes. seed to sow into your life to prepare you for that? Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you.
1: Absolutely. Amen. See, a lot of people don't realize the power of this. And so when the time comes they need a harvest, now they're trying to harvest what's not there. Yep. That's good. They're running to the field. I need this, I need that, but it's not there. Why? They didn't sow it. Yeah. So now they try to run to everybody else to get help. You know, you can only do that for so long, and guess what? Sometimes you ain't going to be able to get to people for help. Like we talked about Wednesday night, King David learned to encourage himself in the Lord. I don't suppose you ever been in a place where you came back from a battle, from, from winning a battle for God. They had taken all of your family, all of your possessions, another enemy did, and now not only have all that been taken from you, but even those mighty men of yours who just help you win this other battle turn on you and want to kill you and stone you. Real encouraging situation. But David knew what to do. You want to know why? He sowed seed in his previous life. He sowed seed in those times worshiping and praising God. And he encouraged himself in the Lord. And he went back and got it all back. Tell me that ain't good. So again, what did Jesus say here in John 6? He said, the words that I speak to you. So it's the Spirit who give. Where are you going to get Zoe life? Where are you going to get life as God has it? Through the Spirit. But how do I get that then? He tells you. Look at the rest of the verse again. I, my page turned on me. He tells you in the rest of the verse, the words I speak to you are what? Spirit, Spirit and they are what? Life. So where, So if the Spirit has the life in it and I want that Zoe life, how do I get it? Through the words he spoke. Right. It's the only way it comes. Yeah. See, people want to try to get the God, the God kind of life, the life God has for them every other way except the way God said it comes. It only comes one way. Comes through the Word. There is no other way. Now back to Luke chapter 8. So we know the seed is the Word. Why is that significant? Because in that seed is what? Zoe life. Zoe life. Life as God has it. So if I have life as God has it, that means no matter what I face, no matter what goes on in my life, no matter what I walk out, guess what? I already got the solution. I already have the answer. I already have the victory. God's already shown me what to do. Or if I don't even know yet what to do, when I face that situation, the Holy Spirit's going to bring back to my remembrance. How many of you ever heard a message in this church and down the road later, situations happen, you go, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, I remember what I heard in church. See, because you harvested a seed. Mm -hmm. Come on, somebody. But guess what? When you harvest a seed, guess what? You can't just rely on the past harvest. This is the problem of most Christians. They obviously sow a seed one time and then now they just think it's an eternal harvest. No, it's not. It is not. You have to continue to build a harvest. Right. Right. Amen. Verse 12, notice those are the ones context of the heart of the individual, those are the ones by the wayside are those who hear, so they heard the word. But notice the devil comes immediately and does what? He comes immediately and takes away the word out of their hearts lest they should believe and be saved. Or in this sense, saved here means to be delivered, healed. That word means zoe life, preserved, made whole, receive what God has for you. Thirteen, the ones who are on the rock are those who hear, receive uh, the word with joy. Notice this, but they have no root in themselves. They believe for a while, for a time, but when temptation comes, what do they do? They fall away. 14, notice the ones that fell among thorns. They are those who, when they heard, they go out, they're choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and they bring no fruit to maturity. So can I describe to you from verses 12, 13, and 14, two different types of people today? Okay, then we'll get to the third one. But in those two verses, we're going to talk about two types of people. One, those who hear the word, but they're not good ground. If they hear the word and they're not good ground, no zoe, life, harvest. Right? But guess who's not mentioned there? That's another group of people. What about those who didn't hear? What about those who didn't hear? What about those who missed the message God wanted them to hear? No seed. Both are bad. I said both are bad. If I'm not hearing the word preached, guess what I'm not getting? Guess what I'm not getting? I'm not getting the seed. What's in that seed? Come on, what's in that seed? Zoe, life of God. What God knows I need to harvest in my future. The reason God's speaking to you today about what he's talking to you about today is because he's setting you up for your future. Amen. And if you truly believe, without a doubt, God anoints pastors, evangelists, prophets, prophets teachers and prophets to speak into our life through the pulpit where i'm to go and sit and hear the word of god if you really believe that then that you believe that every time my pastor gets up to speak or a guest minister gets up to speak god had something to plant in my life today god had a seed to sow god had life to sow god had life to sow into my field are you listening because he knew i'm going to need that harvest down the road but what if i'm not there to hear it you missed out on the seed in today's technology world, you got no excuse. Every one of our messages are recorded. You can go back and listen to them anytime. But it's amazing how many people who may have to work on a service still don't go back and hear what God had to say to them. You still missed out on the seed. Now, the reason it's so much power, more powerful for you to be here when you can is guess what? Guess what you're not going to do here? You're not going to do fleshly, carnal things as you would normally do at home or somewhere else and maybe not pay full attention to what's being said. Well, you could in the sense of looking at your phone or whatever. But I'm just saying, we're not going to turn a television on to the football game today. Right. And if you're at home trying to listen to a message you hadn't listened to, but you're trying to watch a football game in the background, try doing that with your spouse day in and day out. You're not going to hear anything they say. Right. Right. And all, all the married couple said, yes. yeah, see. Well, if we don't pay attention to what God says, how do we get the seed into our hearts? We don't. See, wayside are those who don't take it serious. Wayside are those who really do not believe the significance of this seed is important in their life. And therefore, when they're sitting in church, you know what they're doing the whole time in their church? You know, you can be in church and still not hear the word. I mean, really hear it. You're hearing it in the natural. You're wayside, but you're not hearing it in your heart. Why? You're waiting for lunch. You're looking at the clock. You can't wait to get out of here. When are we going to get out of here? Now, listen, if you're not born again, I'll answer the question why church is not good to you, why church is not fun to you. I'm going to tell you why. Because the word's foolishness to those who are perishing. It makes no sense. You don't have the Holy Spirit in you to help you understand the word. But the moment you get born again, how I many of you know something changes? It's like, oh, wow, man, why did I never see that before? Because you didn't have the Holy Spirit to help you. But wayside are those who are born again, but they're so consumed with other things, they're actually just waiting to get out of church. They go through the motions of church just to actually go through the motions. Stony ground are those who hear, say they hear. They hear. Now, it says they rejoice for a time. So they, man, the words, man. They're like, yeah, praise God, Pastor. That's a good word. Praise the Lord. But you know what they don't do? They don't go put, don't go put application to it. They get excited about the word they heard. So they really did hear it. But guess what they don't do? They don't apply it. They don't, there's no root in themselves. They don't dig down now and apply that to their life. And therefore, when persecution comes, guess what? They falter by the wayside. What about those who get caught up with the cares of life? Deceitfulness of riches, desire for other things. Here's the truth about all three of those people. Wayside, stony, and thorny ground, they've taken their lordship back. I want you to hear that. They've taken their lordship back. When you got born again, there's only one way to get born again. One way. Ready? Romans ten thirteen: All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you've ever been told you just need to pray the prayer of salvation, you can't find that all 66 books of the Bible, I've read all the Bible multiple times. That don't make me an expert, but I've also learned from other experts. There's no salvation prayer in the Bible. There isn't one. You know what you do? You call on Him, Jesus, to be the Lord of your life, Romans 10, 13. Because guess what you were before you got born again? You were Lord. What's Lord mean? I choose what I do in my life. Choose where I go, what I want to do, what I want to say, how I want to live. When you gave your life to Jesus, you did it. You know why? Here's why. Because you wanted a new Lord. You want to live a better life. I found out I wasn't such a good Lord over my life. I found out choices I made that I thought were really good turned out to not be so good. Anybody find that out about your life? And I found out God offered me an opportunity to now walk with Him and have a new Lord. And the moment you get born again only happens because you said, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord. I want you to be supreme in authority over my life because I know you have nothing but good for me. Yes. Amen. And I want to get back in relationship with God and I want to walk in the good you have for my life. Amen. Any amens on that? Amen. But you can get born again, actually start off by Him being your Lord, start walking in the things of God and then you can shift back to your Lordship. And all of a sudden, you start drifting back away from church, the word, the things of God. And here's how you know you've taken back your lordship if you walk with God for any length of time. You start making excuses for things the Bible says is black and white of why you can't do them. Do you know Jesus doesn't accept anybody's excuses? Here's why. If he accepts yours and says, okay, I'll let you still walk in Zoe life even though you choose not to do what's necessary to get it, then guess what? He's compromised his word and he can't change his laws. He can't let you plant a a seed of wheat and get a a harvest of corn. This is a spiritual law. You are either planting into your fleshly nature field or you're planting into your spiritual nature field. The more you plant in your spiritual nature field, the more Zoe life you get. Guess he determines how much of the life of God you walk in? You do. Nobody else. God doesn't. Your pastor doesn't. Come on. If you're under a pastor teaching the Word of God, he don't determine how much of the life of God you walk in. You do. Do not make a mockery of God. Whatever you're going to sow, that's what you're going to reap. This is how it works. And I've already pre-planned a good life for you. Aren't you glad about that? Yes. Verse 15, this is the verse I want to focus on. Notice this. The ones that fell on good ground. Those who obviously have to come hear the word sown. Right? If you're not hearing the sower the sow, sow the word, you're not hearing the word. There's only one way you get the seed planted in your heart. There's only one way you get the seed planted in your heart. There's only, you, don't, you don't get it by reading it. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says you got to have a sower. There's only one way. Say one way. In Jesus' day, guess how they got healed? They came to hear and then be healed. They heard what he had to say. They believed it in their heart. They received it. They got healed. It only works one way. You listening? What about a deaf person? In that case, God could use your faith to get them healed. After that, they're responsible to hear what God's Word has to say. Can I get a better Amen. So this is an absolute. This is what literally uh, Galatians 6 is saying. Don't make light of God's precepts. This is the most important precept of the Bible. Mark's account says it this way. He said, if you don't understand this parable, you won't understand any of the parables. All the rest of the parables reveal other truths about the kingdom, other truths about the things of God. What do you mean if I don't understand this parable, I'll not understand any of the rest? To understand it means you're not willing to put it into application. So if you understand this parable, guess what you know? I've got to sit under the sowing of the word of God. If I don't, then I'm not going to receive anything God has for my life. If I understand this parable, how important it is that I got to sit under that seed, be imparted imparted in my spiritual nature to reap the harvest of what he has for me, then I choose to do that and put application to it. And if I do, guess what? Then I'm going to get more. I'm going to receive more parable. I'm going to receive more understanding. So watch us, verse 15. The ones that fell on good ground are those who having heard the word, notice, with a noble and good heart. Underline that phrase. Noble and good heart. What do they do? They keep it. And they do what? They bear fruit with patience. Meaning it may not pop up tomorrow. But you're setting yourself up for your future. Wait a minute. What if I keep sowing week in and week out every time my pastor's there? What if I keep seeing seed? Continual harvest. How much harvest of the life Zoe life of God do you want? Yes, yeah, all of it. All of it yeah. How much harvest of the Zoe life? You don't have to answer. I'm just asking a question. How much of the Zoe life of God do you want to harvest? How much? How much do you want to harvest as a believer? Now, listen. Whether you know it or not, when I'm standing here preaching, guess what I'm doing? I'm getting seed sown into my heart. Amen. I don't just show it for you. I show it for me. God inspires me what to say, and as God does, guess what I get? I get the same seed. I get it imparted into my heart. Not to mention I listen to my pastor and my spiritual fathers as well through technology. I get to do that. Are you still listening? So I don't just show up to church for you. I want to harvest a Zoe life. If I don't obey God and come here from the Holy Spirit and speak to your life, I'm going to miss out what God wants to say for me. Guess what I now am reminded of and what I know to do when discouragement comes. Same thing you heard Wednesday night. Amen. I would not have known that had I not showed up. Right. Right. That message wouldn't have got preached. Yeah. That seed wouldn't have been sown. Come on. I'm telling you right now by the Spirit of God from Wednesday night and by this Bible, the number one thing in your life that's going to determine whether you're ready for your tomorrows is what you're sowing today. Amen. Don't get mad at me. Just trying to help you. I love you. The reason I say this is because I want to see you harvest everything God has for your life. You understand that? My reason for what I'm about to say is because I want you to walk in a full harvest God has for your life. I want you to be so prepared for everything that comes that you're going to be this mighty warrior for God, walking in the glory of God, a shining light for everybody else who's in darkness to see. And to know that you'll never be overcome by anything that the devil throws at you. Matter of fact, you'll put him on the run. But there's only one way it works. You can't be just a Sunday morning a Christian attender. You're getting very little seed. Don't get mad. I'm not thinking of anybody intentionally. I'm just telling you the truth. My Bible says in the book of Hebrews, do not forsake assembling, assembling. That's what we're doing right now, together. And so much the more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. Why? Because it's going to get darker. Guess what you're going to need? More harvest. More seed. Give your neighbor a high five. Say, he's preaching better than your amen. Fifteen. Those who reap this harvest do so because they're sitting under the seed of the word of God. And they're good ground. They receive the word with a noble and good heart. What's that mean? Can I just, real simple, ready? You agree with it? Agree. A noble and good heart simply means I don't argue with God. Okay. See, some of you right now don't like the fact that I brought up you can't just be a Sunday morning attender and have the kind of harvest God wants you. So you're going to argue with God. Argue with God. No, you think you're arguing with me because I said that. No, I just said what God said. Amen. Let that rest on you. <laughs> See, a lot of people say, well, pastor said, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, back up. Stop right there before you go there and ask yourself the question, is what pastor said what God says? Yeah, then, God, then pastor didn't say it, God said it. Amen. He just echoed what God said. Amen. God told us not to forsake, not our pastor. God's just saying what God said. God told us, we want to continue harvest, you better get seed planted in your heart. good. Right? And I'm telling you, by the spirit of the Lord Wednesday night, a lot of Christians that are skipping all this church, if you don't change us immediately, Satan's coming to reap where he is sown. Right. Amen. Because if you're sown to your fleshly nature, who's going to reap the harvest of that for you? The devil is. Right. He's going to deceive you, mislead you. That's how he goes after you. He can't, how many of many are so grateful for these last days' teachings we've been going through? Yes. You know what some of you actually heard in that message we talked about? about how, the, how God helps you through the temptations of life. Remember what you learned something about and significant about the devil and that? He can't tempt you with anything spiritually. He has no ability to do that. God limits him, He can't do that. What's he tempt you with? Your flesh. So if you're sowing to the flesh, guess what he's going to tempt you with? what you've been sowing to? See, Jesus got tempted early on in his ministry. He come out of the wilderness. I mean, remember this. 40 days of fasting, right? Comes out of the wilderness, goes, actually, therefore, after that time of wilderness, being tempted by Satan into the synagogue, declares that this scripture is now fulfilled. I have now come. I'm anointed by God. Your your Savior is here. Your, Your Messiah is here. And then he lives out his life all the way to the end of where three and a half years later, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Satan's coming after him again. And before he goes into that garden, you know what he told his disciples? Satan's coming. You ready for this? But he has nothing in me. Child of God, for 2023, you better make sure you get everything of Satan out of your life. Because if he sows any more seed in your life, he's going to come harvest what he's sown. How does he sow it? We let him. Who sows into your heart? He can't sow what you don't let him sow. You listen? You don't listen to what he has to tell your fleshly nature. You can't let him sow into your fleshly nature. But if you sow to your fleshly nature, he can come take advantage of that because that's where he's going to test you at. Pastor Barclay had a word, I believe it was last year, that he, he first said this very powerfully. He said, Satan is coming in these last days. He's going to reap what he's sown. I'm warning you, church, by the Bible, because I love you. I want to see you walk in Zoe life. I don't want to see anybody taken out. I don't want to see anybody miss out on the life God has for him. I said I don't want to see anybody miss out on the life God has for him. But there's only one way you get that life. You've got to sit under the sowing of the Word. And you've got to be good ground. You've got to pay attention. You've got to be hungry. Got a desire to hear it. Be excited about it. Look forward to getting to God's house. Wow, I'm going to sow some more seed today. More harvest to be coming. Can I get a better amen? So the noble and good heart just simply means you agree with it. Quit arguing with God. See, when you hear a message that goes contrary to how you're living, don't allow your flesh to say, well, I don't believe that. You're arguing with God. If you say you don't believe what God said is black and white, well, that's not the way I interpret it. The Bible's of no private interpretation. You've taken your lordship back. Don't do that. Keep him as the Lord of your life. Because he has nothing but good plan for you. Already prepared it. Ephesians uh, 2.10, already prepared it. Notice what else you got to do. Not only do you got to agree with it, but what do you got to do? Verse 15, got to keep it. So that means you got to exercise faith in it. And you got to obey it. When it comes to actions you got to take, you got to do it. Guess what you're hearing a message of today? You better be getting all the seed planted in your heart you can. What if you don't do that? Then you're not keeping the message you heard. And if you don't keep the message you heard, you can't get the kind of harvest God wants. Are you still with me? There's only one way to reap a harvest of zoe life and it's by continually hearing God's word preached. How much of God's quote-unquote, zoe life you harvest is based on how much you're hearing the Word preached. There's no other way. There's no other way. I said there's no other way. I said there's no other way. way." Did Jesus overcome the world that we sang about today? Did Jesus overcome the world? Why did He overcome the world? For you. But then how do you walk in that victory? How do you walk in that victory? 1 John 5, 4 tells you. This is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. How do we walk in the victory he gave us? Our faith. Our faith in what? What Jesus did. Well, wait a minute. Is that true or not? Yes. Yes. Did Jesus overcome for you? Yes. Come on, how you many know this? Yes. Did he defeat the enemy for you? Yes. Okay, but how do you walk in that victory then? 1 John 5, 4. This is the victory. This is how you walk in your victory as a child of God. Through your faith. Your faith in Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to tell you right now. I'm I'm telling you by the Spirit of the Lord. God's told me this like multiple times this week. He said I have so many of my children think they're walking by faith and they're not because they don't even sow seeds enough to to grow faith. How does faith come? Back up. How are you going to overcome the world by your faith? How does faith come? Oh, you've heard this verse. What is the verse? Romans ten seventeen. Faith comes by reading and reading the Bible. No, why do we need to read the Bible? We'll get into that in the later part of this message. Fellowship. You need fellowship with the Father. You need fellowship with God. But faith doesn't come by reading. There's no verse that says that. There's not one anywhere in any word the Bible. Faith only comes one way according to the Word of God by hearing and hearing by the. Now, why does it say hearing and hearing by? Hearing and hearing by hearing, hearing, because it ain't a one-time thing. I need to hear it again. I need to hear it again. I need... Listen, man. Listen, man. Listen, listen, listen. I'm gonna go to lunch today, and I'm gonna enjoy at my lunch. I'm gonna actually enjoy some broccoli. Yes, enjoy. And when I go back, I do. I like broccoli. When I go, when I go back again to that restaurant, I'm gonna enjoy some more broccoli. But the only reason I'm going to is because they didn't just plant seed one time. For me to enjoy broccoli again and again and again, somebody had to keep sowing seed. For me to keep enjoying victory as a believer, I got to keep sowing seed because faith only comes one way. Ladies and gentlemen, we just revealed how your faith level grows and where your faith level is. Your faith is determined not by what you think. Listen to me. By the Spirit of God, listen to me. My faith level is not determined by what I think. Whether I think I walk by faith or not. My life will prove if it's true or not. What actually determines whether I have faith or not? Not what I think, but whether I'm hearing the Word of God. Amen. If I'm hearing the Word of God, I'm growing faith. Amen. Part of the Zoe life that's being imparted to me is faith in what Jesus did. Yes. Could I get a better amen? amen? And it's 33 years as a pastor. I've watched it for 33 years. I've watched people come to church and not listen. Listen. And it does them no good. I've watched people skip church and all kinds of tragedies and things happen in their life. Just like they come to everybody and they think they're in faith. But they continue to actually get knocked down and weaker. They try to look for help all the time. Or they try to find some way out all the time. They don't understand this or whatever. Or they claim God's helped them when their mouth says otherwise. Right. They claim they're in faith. But if you are, guess what your, guess what your words line up with? The Word of God. Right. Faith doesn't just believe, it speaks. Now, if I have to force myself to say what God's Word says, to think I'm walking in faith, you're not in faith. Some of you might want to hear that. If I have to force myself to say what God's Word says, to say I'm in faith, you're not in faith. Because if you believe it, guess what's going to come out of your mouth? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the seed sown in your heart, your mouth is going to speak. And if that's the Word of God, guess what you're going to speak? The Word of God. And that's what faith does. Any amens on that? Look at verse 16. Almost done. Verse 16. No one when he has lit a lamp. Now he hasn't stopped talking about the same thing. He's talking about the parable of the sower. He's still talking about the same thing. He didn't shift subjects here. This whole context of what he was been teaching on is the parable of the sower. Notice. Now when, uh, no one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel, nor does he put it under a bed, but he sets it where? On a lampstand. Why? Why is he put it on a lampstand? That those who enter may do what? May do what? The light light being referred to here is revelation of the word. God's saying, I didn't didn't bring the word to hide it from you. I brought the word to illuminate it to you. I'm not hiding anything. What God just told you right there in verse 16, I'm hiding nothing from you. There's nothing of my word that I'm hiding from you. I didn't bring this light of my word into the world to cover it up and hide it from people. You kidding me? I want everybody to know it. I want everybody to understand it, walk in the light of it. God's not hiding anything from anybody. Verse 17, notice, for nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to what? Come to the light of the word. God will reveal in relationship to anything that goes on in your life. There's nothing the light can't help you expose and deal with. You ready? Verse 18, therefore, because of what he just said, do what? Take heed. Come on. Take heed how you hear. So how you hear is referring back to the parable of the four different types of soul condition. If I hear the word but I'm only focused on getting out of church and going and doing my thing, you're a wayside soul. Won't work. If I hear the word but I don't heed it and apply it to my life, then I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do to heed the word, and therefore I'm stony ground and I'm going to falter and fail. If I hear the word and I'm caught up with the world and the love of the world and the things of the world and my own way of living, the cares of life and the deceitfulness of riches are going to choke the word out and it'll be unfruitful. But what if I'm not doing those things? What if I'm hearing the word for one reason? I love Jesus. I want to know God. I want to harvest the life God has for me. I want to walk out the pre-planned path for good that he has for my life, the good life. And therefore, I'm going to hang on every word. And I'm a, I'm gonna apply every bit of it to my life. Amen. That's somebody who's good ground, and they're taking heed how they hear. Therefore, take heed how you hear for whoever, notice, for whoever has, to him what will happen? Come on, what will happen? Come on, what will happen? See, there's not a one-time harvest. To him who hears, guess what's gonna happen? You know why? Because he keeps hearing. And he keeps hearing. And he keeps hearing. What's gonna happen? More is given. And more is given. And more is given. More harvest comes. Why? Because you keep hearing. And you keep hearing. Are you listening? Watch this. Notice the last part of the verse. But whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken from him. Now, the phrase seems there is actually a conflict with what a lot of Greek scholars say is in the original language. Because it does talk about something being taken from you. Well, here's what he's saying. If you literally have an ear to hear what God is saying to you, then you're going to sit under the harvest of the seed of that word every chance you get. And you're going to keep getting more harvest. Right? But if you choose not to do that, I choose not to hear the word when I'm in church or not come hear it. I'm not sitting under the sower. Even what you once had will be taken from you. Why? Because your faith will diminish. Your faith will not grow stronger by not hearing the word. Your faith will grow weaker. Faith only comes one way. So even what you once had will be now taken from you because you're not prepared for what's coming. You can harvest the Zoe life of God. I said you can harvest the Zoe life, the God, the good God kind of life he pre-planned for you to walk in. But what's going to determine that child of God, if you want to be fully equipped for what's ahead, you ready? You might want to write this down. You might want to put this on your God's goal sheet if you got it. The number one goal in my life, not just yours, I'm talking about me, the number one goal in my life for 2023 and for the rest of my life, is to sow as much seed into my heart as I can get. Because I want a massive harvest of what God has available for me of Zoe life. But there's only one way it's going to come: how much seed you put in your life, Daryl? How much seed you put in your life? Now, once you've heard from the sower, the seed, what can you do with that seed? You can continue to water it and help it germinate by going and meditating on those verses. Meditating on what the Word of God says. Because as you now speak over what you've heard sown into your heart, you're continuing, continuing to help it grow. Amen. Can I get a better amen? amen? How much harvest of the life of God do you want? Yeah. Amen. Right. You're already determining it. Yeah. What if you don't like the amount of harvest you're getting? Better, better change how much seed you're sowing. The number one thing, God told me this Wednesday night, you're going to hear it in this word, and you're going to see it in Pastor's Prophecy Preview. The number one thing that's going to help people in the last days facing what's going to come is their church attendance, like it or not. Because there's only one way you get the seed sown into your heart. you got to have a sower. And it can't just be anybody. You listening? Because today, how many know the Bible said in the last days there will be many false, prophetic voices, ministers? Many, not a few. There'll be many. They're not hard to tell. They're full of philosophy, man-made ideas, what they want you to hear, not what the Bible says. They're never going to tell you an ouchy message. They're never going to say anything that's going to relate to something about your life that you could be doing that could be hurt your life because they want to keep you happy. They want to keep you in a position to have your ears tickled so you'll keep showing up and listening to them. But if you find a minister who will sow the Word of God to you, I guarantee you, like Jesus, you're not afraid to tell them the whole Word of God. You know why? Because if you get that seed in your heart, it'll produce a massive harvest. But I can't just live off the harvest I got on Wednesday night. I want more seed today. Guess what I'm coming back for tonight? I'm coming back for more seed tonight. Now, I understand in some cases, some situations, I know people in the church that would like to be here, want to be here, and they have to work. Well, guess what? That's, that message is recorded. There's no reason you can't go back and listen to it again. But I'm going to tell you right now, when I have the choice to make a decision to stay home and lay on the couch because I'm tired, i got to get up and go to work tomorrow, can I help you with something real quick? Do you know Jesus actually had nights where he never went to sleep? Well, he was the son of God. Well, he grew tired. He had a body just like yours. His body wasn't supernatural. He was. He was tempted at all things. You listening? Well, guess what? You're better off. How many have learned this? You're better off if you come get the word of God sown in your life, and you come here with an intent to hear from God and to rejoice and get in his presence while you're here not just sing a song, but literally enter into His presence yes, and fellowship on. with one another, guess what you got while you're here? Times of refreshing will come in the presence of the Lord. He can refresh you spiritually better than even sleep can. Yes. Now, that, you can't live sleep-deprived. You know, you, that's stupid. You can't not... Obviously, at times, you got to rest your body. But I'm going to tell you, when it comes to spiritual things, the Bible's clear. Guess what? The Bible says that the things that deal with the body in the way of exercise or what helps the body... Profits a little, but godliness profits in all things, including your body. Your choice, not mine. I'm not, I'm not thinking of anybody. I'm not looking at anybody in the sense of, you know, thinking of you individually. I'm just telling you, how much, Zoe, life do you want to harvest? But more importantly, how much do you want to be prepared for what's about to come? Because God already knows what your, what your tomorrows hold. You know what he's trying to do? Set you up for your tomorrow. Prepare you with the word you need so when those things come, you're not caught unaware. The Bible says a fool sees danger coming and doesn't prepare. If you don't see danger coming forward in this world and prepare for it, how do I prepare? Sit under the word. God will give you everything you need. Stay spiritually strong and no matter what happens, guess what? You won't be afraid. You know why? You'll know you don't have a spirit of fear. But you got a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Can I get a better amen?